Good morning. It's uh, good to be back with you all after three years. Um, thankfully, it hasn't been three years since we've seen any of you. Um, some of you just came out a couple months ago and we were able to visit with you and show our home and about a year and a half maybe before that, another group came out from this church. So you guys have been one of our most steady, faithful, and present uh, churches with us on the field um, there in uh, Turkey. And so we're very, very thankful for the ministry your church has and continues to, to give to our family. Um, for those of you that don't uh, know me or are meeting me for the first, our family for the first time, my name is Greg and my wife Brittany and our daughter Sienna hopefully is doing okay in the nursery. She's, she's still in that stage. She's learning kind of how to get away from mom and dad. So we'll see. But, um, but it, it's a blessing for our family to be here um, and uh, to be able to minister with you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray again. I'm feeling probably something similar to Moses going back to Egypt after a little while. I feel kind of slow of tongue and the conversations over these past like month and a half in English has just been, people are like, what are you even talking about, Greg? And I'm like, I don't know. So um, I'm going to pray um, that God's word would have power um, that far exceeds anything I can bring to the table. Our Heavenly Father, you are very good and gracious to us. And we see that right now most powerfully through the word that we have in our hands Lord, you, um, you must do the work. You must speak through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Spirit, bringing it and applying it to our hearts and our minds. Please convict, encourage, rebuke, do all the work that your word is so powerfully equipped to do in our lives today. Would we see and savor Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, our firm foundation, our treasure in heaven? We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Uh, in February of 2022, uh, Russian forces invaded Ukraine and began to occupy various uh, cities and, and regions of the country. Many people began to lose their homes, their jobs. They had to flee. They had to get out of the area. They went through an in incredible time of difficulty and began to scatter, scatter throughout Europe. Um, many have scattered down to Antalya, Turkey, to our province, and have tried to make new residence um, in an area that is uh, not home for them. They've had to find a new home. Many of them have, have actually lost the buildings that even used to be their homes. One year later, in February of 2023, a significant earthquake hit Turkey uh, and the Syria border, and over 50,000 people lost their lives um, in a morning, in, in a series of a matter of hours, and then over the coming weeks, as people were under the rubble and unable to be reclaimed, many, many people lost their lives. For those that lived 
and survived the experience, everything they knew was gone. Having been out there in person, um, it looks like a disaster zone from an apocalyptic movie. It, it's, it's horrible. And for many, they've had to restart life, try to figure out what's going to be my new business. How, how, how are we going to get through, not like a year from now, how are we going to get through the next few weeks? Where, what are we going to do for a home, for, for shelter? And so many of them have also come out to Antalya, Turkey, and they have made their new homes in our province. Um, there's a large tourist industry in our area, and there's good work uh, for many families, and so many have tried to make a new home here. But with all these refugees fleeing from, from parts of Europe, from even other parts of Turkey, it's got my family thinking a lot over this past year about home, about being foreigners, being displaced out of your area. Now, in our case, our situation is far better than most of the people I just described. Um, we voluntarily chose to move to a new country, a new area, and um, we are in a much better situation, much better cared for than most people in, in uh, these situations. But all the same, it's uncomfortable to be a foreigner, to not feel like you really belong, like, like this is your home, this is your place where you grew up, where, where you have memories, where you have family and friends. It's, it's uncomfortable. Um, for Brittany and I, as we started thinking about this, it, it even came to my mind for my daughter, Sienna. She is growing up in a country where she may never actually belong there as a citizen. And up until a month ago, she had never even visited the country of her citizenship. Um, what does home mean for my daughter as, as she grows up? And, and what a confusing topic that can be. I know my wife, Brittany, grew up in South Africa, but was born in Pennsylvania, and her mom is Scottish. How do you talk about being, like, what's home for, for my wife? What's home for, for our family? Now, um, this all sounds very dreary. It, 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 these are kind of hard things that sometimes many people have to think through and work through as far as feeling displaced, feeling like you don't have a home, a place where you belong. But here's what's encouraging. My family is not alone. And I don't just mean that there's a lot of other expats, a lot of other foreigners around us. What I mean is that as Christians, we are not alone. Because spiritually speaking, every Christian is a foreigner. That's how the Bible describes you. You all are foreigners. You are spiritual expats. Expat, they're meaning an expatriate. You used to belong to a country, and you no longer live in that country. That is you this morning. That's your story. Like my family, we're all spiritual expats from our heavenly home. We're strangers on this earth. And that is encouraging. If we're going to do it, it's nice to go through it together. And more importantly, with Christ by us. So with this in mind, I wanted us to spend a few minutes today looking at what it means that all God's people are these expats living in a country that doesn't really belong to us. Let's begin by turning to Hebrews 11. We heard... Uh, the beginning portion of some of Abraham's story, Abram's story back in Genesis. 
And we're going to turn to Hebrews 11, and we're going to look at the story of Abraham from somewhat of a New Testament perspective as it reflects back on that Genesis story. So Hebrews 11, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Our ideas of home, permanence, stability, comfort, nationality, citizenship, these are all rooted deeper in our hearts and minds than I think many of us sometimes even realize. It sounds exciting and adventurous to to go out and maybe move to another country or at least go out and visit another country. It's, It's fun until it stops being fun. And until you realize, hey, I miss home. I miss family. I miss friends. This, this has lost all the adventurous appeal. And now all it is is me living in a foreign country where everybody thinks I'm really weird. We want to be around those that we feel like we belong with. We want to feel like we have a place in our society. Common language, common values, common culture family and friends, familiar scenery and places where we've made memories. We all want these things more or less. However, God has called his people to live as foreigners on this earth, as spiritual foreigners. If you're a Christian, you don't belong to this world anymore. You are an expat. You abide in the world, but you don't belong to the world, as Jesus reminds us in John 17. You're a resident of another far, far better country than anything that you are going to find here on this earth. We're going to look a little at the life of Abraham today and see some of the characteristics of what it means to be a spiritual expat. And my prayer is for us today, my prayer is for myself today, that the Spirit of Christ would teach us to embrace being a spiritual foreigner, to hold on a little less tightly to this earth and this earthly residence 
and to live lives of faith that are consistent with our heavenly citizenship. So, what does it look like to be a heavenly expat? First of all, in verse 8, let me reread that here. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. The first characteristic of being a heavenly expat, as you see on the screen here, is that they live lives of faith going where God directs. Many of you are familiar with this chapter. This is often called the Hall of Faith or the the, the Faith chapter. But in these many stories of faith found in this chapter, the story of Abraham is kind of highlighted as maybe one of the strongest testimonies of of leaving, um, leaving what is familiar and stepping out in faith. We see that in Abraham's life also uh, depicted as an example of faith in Romans and in other New Testament passages. This, as we look at Abraham's life, the scriptures want us to see an, a good example for us of living in faith. So what does Hebrews 11 have to say about Abraham and his life of faith? We're told that he was called to go to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, but he didn't know where he was going. He knew an inheritance was, was coming. He just didn't know exactly what it was or what it looked like. And he started his journey without really knowing the end destination. He also did not know when he was going to receive it. It was not all that clear. It says actually in the passage that he lived there with his son and his son's son. So multiple generations he lived there and it was never all that clear of what and when is this inheritance really going to take shape? I think sometimes we think of Abraham going and, and you know, once he starts out on his journey, God's like, okay, here's the whole picture. He didn't have that. Actually, the whole picture wouldn't really come together for many, many years, hundreds of years, until after the Egyptian captivity. All he knew is that God had spoken to him, and he was going to believe what he heard and obey. And that's really what biblical faith is. It's hearing the word of God, believing it, and acting on it. I think sometimes we can see faith almost as if it's the synonym. It's the same thing as belief, but it's not. Biblical faith involves something more than just understanding information. It is the ability to act on it. And that's how Abraham's life is depicted. He believed God, and he acted in faith. He, he acted on the information he knew. Abraham was willing to pursue spiritual inheritance in a faraway country where he had no idea what was going on because he had faith. And this is not an easy process, as you can imagine. That's because acts of faith are rarely a one-time event. Faith almost always leads to another act of faith that must then also follow with another act of faith. For example, would it have been a life of faith for Abraham to believe God and he starts out on his journey, but then he's like, wait a second, I don't even know where we're going. Let's hold back. Let's be wise about this. Let's, let's seek God's counsel and wait for him to reveal the whole picture. Then we can continue our journey. 
that's not what he did. It's not what he did when, when he started meeting opposition. He came across foreign armies. Would it have been a life of faith if as soon as he had come across a foreign army, he's like, okay, maybe this isn't what God wanted. Obviously, this is difficult situations, which is probably God telling me that that's not what he wants. Right? Abraham's faith had to lead him through multiple steps of opposition and difficulty as he lived out faith. Faith is not a one-and-done event. Faith is not something that once you've done it, you can be like, there, I exercise biblical faith. Faith is something that you have to live. Faith is something you have to follow through with. Faith that God knows what he's doing, and we simply need to hear him and obey. The first characteristic, therefore, of a heavenly expat is that they listen to God and they live lives of faith. They obey God by leading, leaving their area of comfort and stability and going wherever it is that God is calling them to go. I'll add this. If faith, biblical faith is rarely comfortable... It almost always includes something that is uncomfortable or unknown. If you knew everything and it was super easy to do it, it would not require faith. I've found in my life as, as you make one step of faith, things actually get harder because the next step of faith sometimes escalates and then it escalates further. And it's very easy to feel like, what have I gotten myself into? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not doing what God has called you to do. Sometimes it's just really hard and really uncomfortable to do it. Faith requires that we continue on, continue listening to God and obeying. I remember pursuing church planting in Western Asia, in Turkey, um, for many years. Um, before Brittany and I were even married, we kind of knew, like, this is the direction we're going, Lord willing. And, and we had that set. And that was great. It was actually very comfortable to be like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go be gospel workers in Turkey. And we're talking about it with our church and our friends and our family. But as soon as I had to quit my job, it got pretty uncomfortable. As soon as we had to sell our car and we had to get rid of our stuff. We had to move in with another family. It got terrifying. Um, it did not get more comfortable. It got more uncomfortable as we actually started to have to act on what we said God was telling us to do. However, with each act of faith, I will say this. It may not get easier, but it does get easier to see the hand of God in it. Each step of the way, we found more and more, it was clear and clear that God was doing something, even if we didn't really understand what God was doing. With each act of provision, with each act of guidance, with each counsel that was given to us that helped us on our way, it was getting hard, but it was getting easier to see what, that the Lord was involved in leading us. My family's story is, is one of becoming earthly expats. But all of us, as I've said, who have trusted in Christ today, are spiritual expats. When Christ saved you, you immediately became a citizen of another country that you 
and where you were, you no longer belonged to that place. You no longer belonged to the earth. You have a home in heaven and a country that is waiting for you. And we are living for that foreign country. Just because you're not a physical expat doesn't mean you don't have to make daily decisions that demonstrate that you are a spiritual expat. All the time, God is calling you to do things that require faith, that require you to remember that you don't really belong to this earth. God may be confronting you, the con- uh, God may be um, calling you to confront injustice in your workplace. God may be leading you to share the gospel with your neighbor that you've kind of waved to across the fence now for five years and you feel like, well, now like it's too long. Like it'd be awkward to, because I don't even know his name. Maybe God would have you to be awkward and to find out his name and invite him over for dinner after five years of saying hi. Maybe God would have you to donate your tax return to your church Or maybe God is leading your family to consider foster care and adoption. Maybe God is leading you through a very difficult medical time and you're having to make decisions about the health of your family or health of loved ones that are extremely scary and God is calling you to faith. Maybe God is calling you to pick up your lives and move to Turkey or across the ocean. Faith is rarely comfortable, but as expats, we must demonstrate lives of faith. Let's look at the second characteristic here in verses 9 to 10 of our passage. It says, By faith he, Abraham, went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. When Brittany and I first moved to Antalya, the discomfort of life became apparent immediately. Now, I had learned some Turkish on some of my previous trips. Um, I had been to Turkey five different times, and I had picked up some of the language. Um, I knew some of the culture, and so I guess... I guess maybe I thought it would be a little bit easier of a start kind of moving there, and it was not. Um, And especially because now I was coming with my wife, who was very new to the country. In in one situation, we were were living in the church office um, for a time until we could identify a home that my family could move into, and we were in a COVID quarantine lockdown, and And so for about six days, we couldn't do anything, and our groceries were brought to us by church members because we couldn't even leave the house. And then we were finally given kind of the green light to leave. And so I remember that first day, Brittany and I were like, well, let's make up a nice dinner tonight. Let's go to the grocery store and just have a small little goal of let's do grocery shopping and get what we need for a dinner tonight. Sounds easy. Um, We got to the grocery store, though, and we kind of split up some of the ingredients we needed. I went to get some veggies and and some snacks, and and Brittany went to the meat counter to order some ground beef for our meal that night. Well, she's looking through the meat counter, and she cannot see any ground beef. There's There's no ground meat there. It's all cubed up beef or chicken or so on. And so she's trying to figure out, wait, like, they've got a 
use ground beef in this country. Why can't I find ground beef? And, and the guy across the counter, he's looking at her kind of strangely and kindly, but like, you know, can I help you? And, and Brittany doesn't know how to ask for help. And she doesn't know why she's not seeing ground beef. And then she realizes, like, it's all in kilos. I'm not even familiar with kilos. Like, is kilos almost half a pound or is it almost double a pound? Anyway, Brittany turns around to me. I, I had come up at this point. She turns around. There's, there's tears in her eyes. And, and Brittany's like, can we, can we just go home and try again tomorrow? It's like, yeah, let's, let's try again tomorrow. Um, it's not easy being a foreigner. It's not easy feeling out of place, feeling like you don't know what's going on, like everybody is doing something and you just are the one person that sticks out. You're, you're weird. Life feels unstable, uncomfortable, confusing and stressful and frustrating. And you constantly feel like you don't know where you belong. You've left your old home, but you don't really belong to your new home either. You're an expat. This is exactly the life that God had called Abraham to. Abraham moved into a country that was promised to him, but it says that he moved there as a foreigner, as like, like a foreigner in this country of promise. He didn't have a homestead. He didn't have barns. He didn't have a good home. He didn't have a support network of family around him there. He was, besides God, Abraham and his family that he had moved there were alone. I, I can only imagine what he would say when people would be like, hey, are, do you live here? He'd probably give some kind of awkward answer like, well, we're staying here for now. We're kind of passing through, and one day maybe my family will live here. But, I mean, how, how do you respond when you kind of belong but you kind of don't belong? That's exactly what Abraham was going through. And that, as I had said, lasted multiple generations because it says he lived in these tents with his son and his son's son. No place really belonging and nobody to help him if he gets in trouble. This is the life of an expat that God had called Abraham to. You see, the passage tells us that Abraham and his family were not actually searching for this physical land of promise. It tells us that they were looking for the city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. According to Hebrews 12, the next chapter, we're told that this city is the heavenly Jerusalem. It's, it's Christ's kingdom. When Abraham moved to this land of promise, there was a physical goal but more importantly for Abraham and his family, there was a spiritual goal. He was seeking a permanent foundation. And so because of that, this passage is actually filled with a lot of irony, a lot of, uh, yeah, irony, humor. Because it says that he, he moved to this land of inheritance, but not as an inheritor, but as a foreigner. He moved to find the city that has foundations, and so what did he live in? A tent. Last time I checked, tents don't have foundations. The whole point of living in a tent is because it's mobile. You can, there's nothing to, to ground you into that place. His life was one of feeling temporary, constantly. But 
What Abraham was looking for was this heavenly Jerusalem, this, this city who God had built. And for that, Abraham was willing to be uncomfortable. Sorry, and I never progressed the slide. Abraham was willing to be uncomfortable and to live as a stranger in a land that he didn't really feel like he belonged in initially. God may not be calling you to Turkey. Maybe he is. If he is, I would love to talk with you. But God is probably not calling you to pick up your family today and move overseas. But I guarantee he is calling you to live an uncomfortable life. I know that because that's what the Bible tells us. You are called to live as a stranger and an exile, even though you are home here in Minneapolis. There is a way that you can live this life, and even though you are a heavenly expat, you live like a worldly local. You constantly invest, we constantly invest into bigger and better homes and toys. We seek comfort and stability and belonging at any cost, even at the cost of acting like a Christian sometimes. You minimize your, your heavenly citizenship so that it doesn't distract from the status that you have at your job or in your neighborhood. This kind of behavior that probably all of us, myself very much included, is, is guilty of, this is disloyalty to our heavenly home to our heavenly king. Paul, in encouraging Timothy to continue on, even when it's hard through persecution, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, verses uh, 2 to 3, sorry, 3 to 4, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. You're not getting wrapped up in all the things down here because your commanding officer has a higher calling on you as a soldier. And you say, well, it's hard, but you're a soldier. That goes with the territory. It goes with the job description. Embrace the suffering. Embrace the discomfort. Move through the instability of your life. God has a far better home waiting for you than what you were ever going to find here in Minneapolis or in Antalya, Turkey, or wherever you may be. When you live in this world like a temporary foreigner, I promise you, you will begin to find it easier and easier to take those steps of faith that God is calling you to do. If you don't feel like all the roots and foundations of everything you own is tied into this place, when God says, hey, I want you to move, it's not quite as hard because you already know I'm an expat. I'm a foreigner. Let's look at this third characteristic of being a heavenly expat. Heavenly expats move forward toward home without looking back or retreating. Let's read 13 to 16 again. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. 
If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Abraham and his family never actually received, at least in any real, formal, tangible way, they never received the inheritance that they, they had moved out there to get. Within their lifetime on earth, they never got to see all the land promises fulfilled to their family. Sometimes being a heavenly expat means you don't actually get to see the fulfillment of your dreams and your desires. Many times, God will move us on maybe to a new place, to a new location, to a new ministry. Sometimes, God will move us on to heaven. He takes us home before maybe we got to see and do all the things that we wanted to do. But this kind of of transition in life and ministry, that's a good thing. You're going home. However, there is a kind of transition that is more of a retreat. Instead of persevering on and, and God moving us on to a new place or, or uh, to a new time, instead, we turn back. We're done. We can't do it anymore. And, and we fall away. We, we turn back to something we think is better. If Abraham and his family had not been willing to continue pursuing God's call on their life, they would have lost the blessings that God was calling their family to. Think of all that God had in store for the life of Abraham and how God was going to use this man and his family, though weak, to bring about all the descendants that would lead us to Jesus, bring about the Savior, the Messiah. And yet, turning around would have forfeited all those blessings. We see this kind of retreat, ironically, again, in a family member of Abraham's. Can you think of, of somebody that we know was related to Abraham who we know turned around and looked back on their city? Maybe you're thinking of his nephew's wife, Lot's wife, when God sent Abraham in to rescue this family from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, what, what are we told about Lot's wife? We know very little of her. The one real story we know about her is that she turned around to look back on this city that she loved so much, and God turned her to a pillar of salt in judgment. She did not love what God had in front of her. She loved this wicked city that she had felt so a part of. Turkey is a very difficult country for, for many different reasons. Um, in the past, people have called it a, a graveyard of missionary work. Whether it's because of the difficulty of language or the culture, um, in terms of the Christian population there, for Turkish Christians, we believe there's something like about five to 6,000 Turkish Christians in the country. That would make, uh, with a population of 82, 84 million people in the country, 
that would make the Christian population about 0.007% Christian. Um, that on its own makes it a very difficult place to live. All the gospel grace that we sometimes see around us, um, you don't see echoes and rumors of gospel grace um, in society in the way that you might expect. For whatever reason, it, it is a very difficult place to live. And, and for that reason, the average missionary family stays in Turkey between two and four years before returning back to America. Sometimes that is for very good, legitimate reasons. Sometimes, I can only imagine, it is not always for good, legitimate reasons. But it always is sobering for Brittany and I when we're, we're talking with a family and, and we're talking about how are things going, how are you getting integrated into, into this country, and, and it sounds kind of like they have one foot in Turkey and they're keeping another foot back in America. You know, they want to be there, but you can tell there's, they're, they're not dealing with it all that well. And, and, and they, they're already, you know, a year in, two years in, wondering, maybe this isn't what God has for us. This is hard. And, and I don't want to judge that too much. It is hard. We've been there. We have those kinds of, you know, fears or difficulties of, oh, man, like, is it worth it? Do, should, should we continue on? I get it. But when you're constantly looking behind you at the life you've left, it gets really hard to stay, especially when things get difficult. If, uh, in my case, if I felt like, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I talk with my sending church back in Nashville pretty regularly. If they're like, Greg, we, we got this new job, at the, this new position at the church, fully paid, all the, all the, the benefits and and we're going to get you a home and a car if you come back. You know, it's uh, our church needs somebody with your skill set. Would you be willing to come and kind of get, kind of graduate into, uh, you know, big church ministry here in America? If my mom is calling me every week saying, when are you coming home? When am I going to get to see my granddaughter again? It gets tough to live overseas. It gets tough to, to feel like you're a foreigner. When my brother um, this past year was going through cancer, and you're wondering, why am I here? Should I be here? Like, I feel like my family needs me back in, in America. Should, should we be taking a short-term trip? Should we take a, a long-term trip? These kinds of difficulties are constantly making us kind of look back and just wonder, should we be here? Well, in Abraham's example... We're told that if he had been thinking of the country that he had gone out from, he had every opportunity to return. But God caused Abraham and his family to persevere, to keep moving forward, to keep looking forward at the promises of God and, their, and God's calling on their life that would cause them to keep moving forward. It's exhausting to live as an exile, as a foreigner, but it's worth it. And God has so much blessing in store for those who are willing to look forward toward their heavenly home rather than looking back. And it's so easy to do. When you feel displaced, when you feel uncomfortable, when you feel like it would just be so much easier if I could kind of just play by the world's rules. 
If I could value the things that all my coworkers value, why not just compromise a little bit? Why not just keep a foot in this earth and a foot pointed toward heaven? Is that really so wrong? When you are looking back, the temptation will only grow to adopt this old way of life that God has saved us from, that God has called us out of. Don't be bothered by sticking out. Don't be bothered by being weird or, or feeling like you're unaccepted by this world's culture. The culture of Minneapolis, generally speaking, is hostile to Christ and the gospel. You will not belong here. Not truly. And that's okay. Because what does this passage tell us? It tells us that God has a home prepared for you. God says, I am not ashamed to be your God. Because I've prepared for you a far better home. Wait for it. Work for it. Stay faithful. Through the work of Christ in our lives, persevere and don't look back. The fact is, if you are a genuine Christian, you are already a citizen of heaven. We've already talked about that. I think Ephesians 1 is such a beautiful passage that lists out so many of these spiritual benefits that are yours because of Christ and because of your citizenship in heaven. It says that we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It says that the Father has adopted us through Jesus Christ, through whom we've obtained all spiritual inheritance. It says this, the Spirit of God has sealed our salvation, which guarantees our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Where? In heaven. You already belong to God, and you are a part of his kingdom because you are in Christ. However, the fact is that many of us still treat this world as if it's our true home. We may be heavenly expats, but we sure look a lot like somebody who belongs here on earth. We care more about national politics than we do about Christ's reign over the earth. We care more about building up our financial security and, and establishing for ourselves a legacy rather than giving that up because of a spiritual treasure in heaven. We sacrifice fellowship with, with Christian peers because we want to fit in with work or, or we have values that, that take us away from the church. You're an expat. You're a foreigner. You don't belong here. Invest into the relationships here. I, I'm not calling us to, to be so far away from this world that we can't relate. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. So have a nice home. If you can, get a nice car. But don't make this home your eternal home. Realize this is not where God wants you putting down deep roots. Put down your roots in heaven, which is where Christ says, you put your treasure in heaven and your heart will follow. Unfortunately, the church also sometimes has people like, like Lot's wife. They appear to be a citizen of heaven, but their lives prove otherwise. If this is you, 
if maybe you're just so used to kind of doing the Christian thing, and yet when you stop and really consider it, your heart is here on earth, then please turn from this world and accept Christ. It is so worth it. He has a home waiting for you if you will accept him. If you are not a Christian and God has brought you to this service today, please listen to me. Give up trying to live for this sad world and what it thinks it can offer you. It's a lie. It will not bring you the satisfaction and the stability that you are seeking. Turn to Christ. Reach out in faith. Listen to the words God has for you and obey. Believe and obey. For this home that God has prepared for his children, there is no earthquake, there is no war, there is no pandemic that can ever take that home away from us. God secures it himself because he is the one who built it for you. We must live lives of faith, not seeking true stability and, uh, and comfort here on earth, but instead pushing forward toward our heavenly home without looking back. From one expat to another, brothers and sisters, keep seeking Christ in your heavenly home as we journey here on this earth.